I know it's been a little cold out, and well, you're doing pretty good. And I, and I really hate to admit this. This is actually Charlotte's fault. I know, I know. You know, I said, I'm try, I've, been, I've been trying to hold it in. You know, you try to do that. Jim, you know what I'm talking about. But Kim, you know how you get so messed up, too. But, uh, but you try to hold it in. You protect her. But I just don't think I can do that any longer. You say, what do you mean? Well, in two weeks, we're going to Boise, Idaho. <laughs> and Charlotte wants to get used to it. <laughs> so I want to apologize ahead of time for that. Because, uh, you know, she, she, I, I thought we could stick her in the freezer. But... Uh, <laughs> But that's not going to work, so we're going to do this cold weather and all. A couple of weeks, we're going up to Boise. Some of you remember Adam Sharkey. Uh, Adam Sharkey was uh, raised up in this church and called to preach and was sent from this ministry. And he is ministering up in Boise, Idaho, and we're going up in a couple of weeks to be a part of his ordination. And uh, this that was such, such an honor and a privilege to do that. And so you that remember him, and he, again, you can saw him as a little boy, and uh started playing his saxophone here in, in, in the band, and, and God's hands upon him. He's been used mightily up there in the Boise area, and so we are excited, and it's a, it's a real blessing from the church to be able to do that. I mean, you realize that this is uh, to be able to reproduce ourselves, and, uh, and so be praying for him, and, uh, and for us as we go to Boise, we're finding out it's been colder up there than it's ever been in 100 years. More snow. They got unbelievable snow up there. And uh, you say, say, what do you think about that? I'm excited about going up and seeing it. But we ain't staying. And uh, uh, when I talk about that to the folks in Boise, they don't get so you know, caught up in that and all, because they're living with it and all. But we're going to go up there for two or three days and, and be a part of that ordination council, and we are excited about that. 691,000. 691,000 plus a couple hundred. That's how many seconds you've lived in 2017 when you finished up the day. Uh, it doesn't, you know, you think about that. Man, you know, you think you got plenty of time. You've almost used almost 700,000 seconds of your life. It just goes by pretty quick, doesn't it? Yeah, you think about that. You know, I realized that when I was younger, I, I always was looking forward to being something coming together, another day, another thing happening. Uh, now I'm not so much in a hurry, you know, as I once was, because I know I'm going to Beulah Land. You know, that, that's the direction I'm heading. And they say, well, man, you ought to be excited. I am excited about it. I even got a ticket. I just don't have the date on it yet. And, uh, but there is a date. The Bible says there is. It's appointed unto man wants to die. And then you, if you know the Lord is your personal Savior, uh, you're going to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. Amen? Good stuff. But having said that, uh, I, I want to be the best steward of the time I have right now. And we last week started this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which if you're not there, go ahead and get there. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, because time is passing so rapidly, and I realize that it hasn't, you know, just because I'm a little bit older, it's not speeding up, but it seems like it's speeding up. And so that being the case, I want to use my time the best way I possibly can and to do that, I need to deal with some smart people that can help me to do that. Well, the Bible says there's a guy named Solomon. You may have heard that name. He is known for his wisdom. He is known for, he is known for making right decisions. Not all his decisions were good. But he made some right decisions, and so God kind of used him to kind of be a blessing to us this morning. Now, he gave us five keys on how to use our time. Now, this is not a time management class. 
If you've ever been to one, I've been to seminars and I've read the books. And when you read that stuff, it almost gives you the idea that you're in control of everything happening in your life. Have you found that's not the case? How, how about the things that are uncontrollable? How about the illnesses and the delays and the inconveniences? How do we deal with all those kind of things? And that is what Solomon talked about, those inconveniences, those delays, you know, those waiting in line and all that kind of stuff. How do we deal with that? He gave us five keys. And the reason I'm, I'm, I'm narrowing this down for you and nailing it down, if you will, because I want you to work on these things. I don't want you to be this here this time next year and said, I wish I had done that. You know, I wish my life was different. I, I wish I was more productive. You know, wishing is Satan's answer to God's conditions. You know, wish I may, wish I might have the wish I wish tonight. That just doesn't work. You know, I believe in cause and effect. I believe that if you sow, you're going to reap. And as we look at this coming year, rather than looking at it as a victim, I want us to look at it as a conqueror. God has given us all the over 31 million seconds this coming year, and we want to use those to the best of our ability. And I have to admit to you, I'm not sure how. So let's go to the book. We'll find out how. Last week I gave you the first two of the five keys that Solomon shared with us, verses 1 through 11. You can go ahead and reread re -read that later if you like, but let me give you the two keys. We need to accept, in those scriptures it tells us, we need to accept that God has a purpose and a plan for the good and bad times in my life. The, the good things and the bad things, God has a purpose in those areas. I, I have to accept that. If you don't accept that, what happens, you think you're kind of at the mercy of this world. And the truth of the matter is you are if you're not yielding yourself to God. But with God in control, I have to, I'm not saying that everything is good that's happening to me. You know? A lot of stuff is good. There's a lot of stuff that happens to me, that happens to this world. It's not good. But God can take that and make something good out of it. I have to accept that, that God is sovereign and God is in control, and he can take the good and the bad things, and he has a purpose in it. And I, I may not even see it. That's called faith. You, you, we say we have it. Well, let's demonstrate it. So we talked about that. The second thing we gave you was this, in verse 11, I need to affirm my faith in God in confusing times. Would you kind of admit that we're living through some confusing times? There's things, and you may be here this morning, and there's things happening in your life that are very confusing to you, and, and you're trying to, to make sense. Have you ever gone through things and you can't make sense of what's going on in your life? It's confusing. You may not be able to really get what's going on, but aren't you thankful and grateful that there's someone that does get it? That God understands what's happening? And that being the case, I'm going to accept and I'm going to affirm my faith. You know, it's amazing. When folks go, go through a kind of a difficult time, it's amazing how they dump their faith. Or do they? Was it there in the first place? You know, that's kind of the question I have. If it were really there in the first place, now, nah, I don't, how, how could that have happened? And so I'm kind of wondering if maybe they were not followers of God, they were simply fans. I believe uh, tonight you're starting that thing, aren't you, Dale? I mean, he's starting that, that, that lesson on being a fan or being a follower. I've read the book. I hate it. I hate the book. You say, why, why do you hate it? Man, it just convicts me to pieces, you know? I think I'm a pretty good guy. I'm reading that book. I said, man, I'm not so good. I'm not reading you anymore. <laughs> it's not, I can solve that problem. So two things, two keys. I got to 
Accept that God has a purpose in both the good and the bad in my life. Number two, affirm my faith in God in confusing times. All right, let's continue. Look at verse 12. Colossians 3, we see the third thing, verse 12. I know that there is no good in them but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. Uh, what he's talking about here, we need to apply the present time to doing good. You know, I realize sometimes we get a little nervous when we start moving down this road, but, but, but when you pray tomorrow morning and ask God, God, what do you want me to do? Well, if you read the Word of God, He wants you to be happy, but He wants you also to do good. God has left you here to do some good things and all. And I think it's important for us to get a hold of that. It, it's not just, and sometimes if we're not careful, this is what we start thinking. Well, what's in it for me? How's this going to work for me? How's this going to better me? And we, and we become selfish plots. And <laughs> just throw that to you. We, we become so selfish and we become so self-absorbed. We don't realize that it's not, a, if you're doing good, you're serving other people. You're involved with other people's lives. You know, we've, you've heard me talk about this in years past, that, that life's a test. This is a dressing room for eternity. This is a prep school, if you will, as we're preparing for eternity. And I, I think it's important to realize that, that God made you to do good. Now, wait, God made you to do some good stuff. My question this morning is, are you doing good stuff? Are you doing the good things that God has for you to do? And if you're not, how about reevaluating your life? You know, I, I'd much rather reevaluate re somebody else's life, but... And if we're not careful, we actually do that from time to time. But, but no one can better evaluate you than you when you don't lie to yourself. If you're really honest with yourself, you can evaluate some things that you're doing, some things that you're thinking, and I think it's important to realize that, that you have not a better time than right now to do the good that God has for you. You see, we don't have much of a guarantee for a future, and so therefore, in this life, we know this, we're, we're passing through this life, the Bible says the life's a vapor, and so therefore, I need to use every minute I can to do the best things I can that God would have me to do. Now, when I die, not planning on any time soon, so don't be writing this down anywhere. When I die, don't spend a lot of money on flowers for me. In fact, you know, no flowers would be okay. In fact, why don't you send me flowers now? Now, send me Cinnabons. I don't want no flowers. Send me that stuff. Or custard pie, you know, one of those things. No, you know, we, we, we have a tendency to say, you know, we want to do good. Why is it when someone dies, we want to do all this kind of, we, they don't know you know that, don't they? They don't realize you're doing all that kind of stuff. Why don't you send them flowers now? Why don't you write that card to your wife? Remember how you used to write those love notes? Man, <laughs> I almost said when I was in love. <laughs> but, but, but I knew there was no way that was going to work for me and all. I just knew that wasn't going to happen. But, I, you know, I can remember back in the day before, before gosh, I can't make this thing work. I can't get out of this hole. The Bible says. <laughs> but when, when, there's no way. You're here. If Charlotte wasn't here, I could go farther with this. But, but I see her sitting back there taking notes. You say, on your message, no. Not on my message. Other notes, you know. It's the house I live in called Dog. And uh, so, anyway. Gosh, I'm trying to think of it. But let's just go back. <laughs> write 
write the note to your wife. Go ahead and do that sweet love. You know, go ahead and call your in-laws and try to be an encouragement to them. I, you know, I, I think it's important. You know, we think about doing that kind of stuff, and we, we think, how, you know, we, we want to do it, and we think about doing it, and, you know, and, you know, someday I aim to write, and someday I aim to call. You know what I tell you? Quit aiming, pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Go ahead. You leave here today, write that card or make that phone call. I mean, do good. Uh, that's one of the things that we need to understand that God wants to apply uh, the, our life, the present, to doing good. Want, God wants us to do that. Procrastination robs you of a lot of rewards in eternity. Procrastination. I'm going to do it someday. Someday I'll. You know, procrastination. You know, go ahead and write that letter. Let me tell you something, guys. We're living in a very difficult world. There's a lot in this world that can depress us. For anyone to tell you they don't go through depression, they lie about other things too. Depression, discouragement, we face that. It's, we, you can't be too big of a blessing to somebody. It's amazing, you know, what a neat thing a goal of, of every week you look for, you, you come to the church, you see somebody, and write them a note that week. Hey, I saw you Sunday, I was thinking about you, I want you to know I've been praying for you, care for you. I'm going to tell you, you're not going to love people too much. I've never had this. That church, I am sick of that church. They love people too much. I'm tired of that. I don't want to be loved. You know, no, no, you'll find that's not the case. And so, and, and that's one of the things as we start dealing with our time, one of the ways we can use our time wise is write that note, make that phone call, you know, whatever it takes to, to encourage people. People need encouragement today, and we are encouragers. That's one of the gifts that God's given us. We actually can be a blessing. God wants us to do that. So, so apply the present time to doing good. Look at verse 13. We see the fourth thing. Verse 13 of chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. You, the fourth thing you need to, you need to appreciate all of my time as a gift from God. God gave us this gift. And what do you do with a gift? You open it up and you enjoy it. God wants you to do that. God has given you a gift called time. And he, he wants you, you can't hoard it. You, it's like, like in the Old Testament, like manna. I mean, he's got it for a day and that's it, man. And so he wants you to use it. He wants you to take the time to open up the gift and to enjoy it and to realize and to appreciate what God has done for us, the, the gift that God has given to us. We need to be grateful for our time. How many of you don't like your birthdays? Get ticked. You know, oh, another birthday coming. You know, oh, you know, we get kind of, you know, well, you know what that means. <laughs> yeah, it means you're still alive. <laughs> that means you're above ground. <laughs> Got to be a good thing, you know. So I wrote this down. There was a lady that got a card from another lady and said this. Don't let another year frustrate you. We have men for that. Charlotte put that in my message. I had that turned around, I think, going the other way and all. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, we, we need to realize that we, we, God has given us a, a precious gift of time. The Bible says in the book of the Philippians 4.11, I have learned, this is, get a hold of this, I have learned in what service did I am therein to be content. You see, the secret of happiness is the ability to accept life as it comes to you. Paul said, I have learned to be content. You know what he's saying? We're not naturally content. 
what I've got to get from that. If there's something I've got to learn, it means I'm not, not, it's not something I really have. You know, so, well, just be content. You, that's something you have to learn. Uh, it's something you have to work at. It's something you have to grasp. Are, are your kids thankful by nature? I mean, they, do they just do, when you do, when you do things, you, you, you do their clothes, and they come and say, Mama, thank you for doing my clothes. Thank you for cooking that meal. Uh, thank you for cleaning the house. On and on it goes. We have to teach them. They have to learn to be thankful. They have to learn to be grateful. One of the greatest opportunities and abilities as parents is that we have the opportunity to help kids to, to do right thing and, and, to, and to have a, a heart of appreciation and, a, and the attitude of gratitude. The greatest gift you can give your kids is learning how to be thankful. We're living in a world that has kind of missed that. Uh, they have gone down the avenue of, you owe me. You owe me. I know as parents, you've ever gone through that before. Where, uh, you know, say, that's something new today. It's not, it's not new. <laughs> we, we experienced that. I remember one time, I had one of our kids come to me and, and said, we were getting, Charlotte and I were going ready to do something, and they said, I'm spending their college money. I informed that person, you don't have any college money but I'll make you a deal. Every dollar you put in the bank, I'll give you a dollar. And if you spend $20, you spent $40. You know what? They started saving money. <laughs> and it worked out that way. And so I, I, I think it's important that we realize it's not that I don't think you ought to do good, and you know, I believe because I just said it, but I think it's important that we teach our kids and ourselves that we need to be grateful and thankful people. We need to be grateful and thankful for the things that God has done for us. You know, the problem is sometimes we have a tendency, the reason why we're not as thankful and grateful as we should be, we don't appreciate like we should, is because we're always comparing ourselves with other people. The Bible says if you compare yourself among yourselves, you're not very wise. It's not a very wise thing. Or, or you find yourself complaining about what you don't have. You know, why don't you be thankful for what you do have? Be grateful for what you do have. Or we find ourselves, you know, not grateful, not appreciative. And, and I think it's very important that we understand that God wants us to have an attitude of gratitude. I want you to write a statement down. It's not in your notes, but uh, let me give it to you. <clears throat> it's a short sentence, if, you, if, you're, if you're taking notes. Here it is. I have just enough time to do God's will. I have just enough time to do God's will. What God has planned for me, I have just enough time to do it. For folks, I don't have time to read the Word of God. I don't have time to come to church. I don't have time to pray. You are wrong. You are so very wrong. I have just enough time. Whatever God has planned for my life, you know, I don't have to, oh, I hope I can get it done. I don't have to hope it. I know that God is in control, and whatever God's will is for my life, I have just enough time to do that. You need to be aware of that. Uh, the, you know, we have a, you know, oh, I, I, we, we live in a world of such fear. And the Bible, doesn't the Bible say God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a love, power, sound mind? And so I encourage you this morning, you have enough time to do the things that God would have you to do. Whatever season you are in life, and I've experienced most all the seasons now, I'm praying for a fifth season, fifth quarter. 
And, uh, but I've experienced them, and, and, and I found this to be the case. Whatever season of life I am therewith, therewith, I need to be content. And be thankful that God has trusted me with these years that he's given me, and to realize that he's trusted me with them because he has a will for me, and I have just enough time to do it. Here's the last one. Look at verse 15. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requite that which is past or an account. Verse 17, I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose, for every work. The New Testament puts it this way in Romans 14, 12. So then, every one of us shall have given account of ourselves to God. And my fifth key that Solomon's given to us is this, anticipate giving the account of my time to God. Anticipate that, that the time I have, and you think about it, he's saying this time that I have is a precious commodity, isn't it? And if it's a precious commodity, then I would say that wasting time may be one of the greatest sins. If indeed this time that we have is very precious in the Bible, says this, then wasting it will be a, a tremendous sin. And I think it's important that we don't do that. I think it's important that we use the time that God has given to us. As a believer, if you're here this morning, you know Christ is your personal Savior, your sins were judged at Calvary. That was the reason for Calvary. If you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and, and to come into your heart and be your personal Savior, and the Holy Spirit has come to indwell within you, and that, that sin that we've dealing with has been dealt with at Calvary. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about service. We're talking about our lives every day, our activity, and these are the things that, that we're going to be judged on, if you will, and the, and the rewards will be based on these type of situations and all. And so I think it's important that we realize that God has, has given us this gift of time, and we need to use it wisely. Ephesians 5 says this, Seeing then that you walk circumspect or carefully, not as a fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. How many of you have ever heard that term, redeeming the time? Let me show you how you can do it. Four questions, and I'll be done. How can I redeem the time? I give them to you there in your outline. I want you to have them. Here they are. You need to ask yourself four questions, and this will redeem the time. Number one, whatever you're going through, what can I learn from this moment? What can I learn from what's happening to me? Whatever I'm facing. Every moment is a teachable moment. It really is. There's nothing happening to you that God is not allowing it to come into your life to teach you, to train you to make you more like Christ, which is what it's about. That's the first question. This will help you redeem the time. Number two, what good can I do in this moment? You see, once you start, once you start realizing it's not all about you, this life we're living, what happens is, is things start transforming in your life, and you see, you look for ways, then how can I be a blessing to someone else, or how can I just praise the Lord? Whatever moment you're dealing with, what, can I, what good can I do in this moment? Number four, what can I enjoy from this moment? Uh, I, I think there's always the bright side. Uh, that, that's, not, you know, that, that's not optimism, that's hope. You know, I'm not big on optimism because I think sometimes optimism does not play with a full deck. Ooh, that might be a good illustration. <laughs> but, but optimism, you know what I'm saying? Optimism kind of, you know, kind of optimism sometimes kind of denies the facts. 
You have to be careful about being an optimist. What I have is hope. That's a different, different, it's a different animal totally. My hope is not based on me or what's happening in circumstances. My hope is based on him. See, that's what my hope's based on. And so this morning, what good can I do? Number three, what can I, Chris, what can I enjoy? Right. And then the last thing is this. How can I trust God in this moment? Do you know the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But the only way I can have faith is to deal with the impossible situations. And if I have the impossible situations coming to my life, that means I've got some difficulties, some problems. But when those things come to my life, I have an opportunity. You say, somebody say, oh, Lord, help me to have more faith. God, help me to walk by faith. Okay. Okay, cowboy, <laughs> you're coming your way. There's, a, there's only certain ways that can take place and all. But what happens is, you know, it gets to a place, sometimes we don't know that he's the one that we can trust until he's the only one we can trust. I believe that all seasons in our life are relevant. Different ages that are here. Brother Reed is, is what, 25 now? What are you going to be your birthday? 95? 94. You're still a young guy. Deanna, my granddaughter's here. What, how old are you, honey? 16. Anyone younger than 16 here? Well, yeah, your baby. I said, oh, yeah. Hey, Eric, back here. So Felicia's baby is a little bit younger than. Anyway, but it doesn't really matter. Whatever season you are in life, God, God has a, a purpose and a plan. I'm so glad that, that, that this 16-year-old girl doesn't have to wait till she's 94 to figure it out. I mean, God, God is very, very, God's very now. He's very much, it's not that he doesn't know the future, no, but, but when it comes to dealing with us, he deals with us very much now. And you've heard me say, God has given to me the, the right, if you want, for a better terminology, or the freedom or the liberty, whatever terminology you want to do, I have the liberty and the freedom to make a choice. And when I make that choice, then I have I've put everything else into his hands because I don't have the freedom to make the choice when it comes to the consequences of that choice. So, I challenge you. Say, do you have some homework for us for the next week? No, I have some homework for you for the next year. You need to get a hold of these things. You need to understand that you've got to accept that both the good and bad, God has a purpose and a plan in your life. If you don't accept it, you will be a victim. This year is going to be a horrible year for you because you're going to, there's going to be things happen that are going to be just beyond belief. But if you've accepted that God's in control of that, then what it does, it takes the responsibility off me and puts the responsibility on him where it's supposed to be. You need to affirm my faith in confusing times. Rather than looking for ways to cut and run, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Where they go, I don't know. And so I think the thing is when it's confusing, I'm going to affirm my faith in God that no matter what is happening and how confusing, I, I may not have the answer, but I know God loves me. God's sovereign. I need to apply the pressure to doing good, looking for ways that I can be a help, not a hindrance. Appreciate the time that God's given me. Brother, oh, man, I wish I had more time. Well, use the time you got. Appreciate what you got. And then last, anticipate giving an account of myself to God. Well, 
Almost 700,000 seconds will be gone this tonight. You look back on what have you done with those. My challenge to you this morning is that certainly if you're here and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, and what I've been talking about is just zoomed over your head, you're kind of, you know, you think it's some kind of a religious talk or churchy talk or whatever, and you're kind of befuddled by it, but you are, you're catching on the fact about the, the time thing you got. You know things aren't working out real well for you. Well, my, my, my recommendation to you is this this morning. You need to place your life into someone's hands that knows where they're going. And so this morning, if you don't really know Christ as your personal Savior, and I understand the emphasis tonight, this morning not really been on salvation, but the Holy Spirit's one that does the convicting. I don't convict people anyway. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And you're here this morning, and you're wondering what that conviction about. Uh, that's because that you, you're not really sure about eternity. And we invite you to come, and hey, uh, we'd like to share with you the claims of Christ, and let you see in the Word of God what it means to be a believer. You're here this morning, and you know Christ is Savior. Man, you may have been saved a long time. But it's been a long time since you've really been in touch with God. Oh, I don't mean you've not gone through the motions. And you come to church and, you know, you say some words. And, but to see something really has, you kind of feel like you're, you're empty inside. It's like you're reaching out for something and not able to get a hold of it. That's called religion. Relationship is ever-growing. And the problem may be this morning, and you've heard this saying, it's kind of a cliche, but still true. If you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? He didn't move. He didn't. That's why the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you stand for prayer this morning? God is, I trust God has spoken to your heart. Uh, our desire...